welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome for the first time. Yes. Hashtag rebrand. Yes. Actually, half Asian, half hour. If you've listened to um, our old episodes, that just uh, bumped itself up to exclusive status because no one else will ever hear them. <laughs> yep, those you are. Did. If you want to listen to them, i.e. our parents, yes. uh, <laughs> we can send them to you directly, but yeah. no one else Subscribe shall hear them. Subscribe to our Patreon of just <laughs> and we'll do it. They're limited yeah. edition episodes. Gold. Yeah. And the limit is now. Uh, But we're very excited. You know, we're going to be reviewing the Mindyverse today. uh, I like to think of it as the MKU. Ooh. Mindy Kaling Universe. Universe. (laughs) There you go. I almost forgot. (laughs) The word universe. Yep. (laughs) Halfway through it. Yeah. But you got the two other ones, and one of them was kind of foreign, so. There you go. That's how you know. You're at half Asian, half hour. Exactly. Some of the words are kind of foreign. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. I would love to start with um, Mindy's name. I was just, as I was reading through, so uh, I didn't know that her parents named her after Mork and Mindy because they wanted her to have a cute American name. I think it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And I was thinking like uh, she was talking to Matrey Ramakrishnan, who plays Davy in Never Have I Ever. And I was like, wow, Mindy Kaling like lucked out that she had like an quote unquote easy name. And then, of course, I went to Wikipedia. and was like, that's not she she changed it for showbiz is is because she was I mean racially harassed when she tried to do stand-up and yeah I yeah she said that you know open mic hosts would be like uh I don't know this Mindy girl come on out she's like I can't (laughs) yeah I can't even just get called up on stage like come on yeah but I so names have clearly been very important. I was listening to a podcast where these comedians were like, oh, I love naming my characters. And I was like, I don't. That is probably my least favorite part. Just because, mm-hmm. like, I always want my characters to be like me. But having my, like, weird-ass name is such an important part of me. that, And then I never feel comfortable giving my characters, like, names like me. Because then they'll be like, that's just you. And so I always end up giving them, like, whatever. Um, and so I appreciate that she, like... Her character on the Mindy Project is Mindy Lahiri, and that was named after Jhumpa Lahiri, the Indian-British poet. Mm. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which I thought was just, like, very... I don't know if she's British, but she's had her poems done in, like, Italian and English and all that. Like, I was like, that's cool that you're, like, actively wanting to honor different women from your culture. And in Champions, her character's name was Priya, and... This character is Davy. It just seems like she is like, here are a lot of Indian names that I like and I know, and it's this resource that I can draw from, and I'm doing it. Yeah. And I, I always feel so self-conscious when I try to do that, but it's so cool when she does it. I know. And what's interesting with the Mindy Project, I think the original character was supposed to be like Mary or, so, or like something similar, but not Mindy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Fox told her to change it to Mindy. 
and name it after her. So, and she, she always liked, she liked it because it added kind of more authenticity, even, even more so than just her last name and, and drawing from names she knows. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is interesting that Fox did that because I didn't realize that Netflix had approached her about Never Have I Ever and it said, we want you to make a show about your childhood. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's dope. And I'm happy that people are like, no, Mindy, like we want your, I just, Uh, I was thinking about how lonely it must've been for her. She was really the only one for such a long time. And I didn't realize she was 24 when she started writing for the office. Yeah. Like so young. Should we get into her career? Should we give like a rundown of, of Mindy Kaling? Absolutely. So I did, I read this article the Rise and the Rise of Mindy Kaling by Devin Ivies on uh, Vulture. Mm-hmm. And it gave a really good rundown of everything. But pretty much it all started in 2002 when she graduated from Dartmouth. And she's living in, in New York with her best friend, Brenda Withers. And they write Matt and Ben. Mm-hmm. They're um, the two-person play where they play Matt Damon <laughs> and Ben Affleck. And it's about them writing Goodwill Hunting, which... Uh, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that play, but it's it's hilarious, and it's it's one of when I there's certain plays that I like have gone to see or like read, and I'm like, oh, this is why I love writing and like love the theater, and this is Matt and Ben is one of them for me. Wow. Okay, I've seen clips, but I definitely need to read or watch the whole thing. Yeah, I just I think it's just so strong, and it's like Mindy's voice is so clear even back then. You know, mm-hmm. um, so they they do that at the New York Fringe Fest, and then that kind of gets them a lot of buzz. So then they go get an off Broadway venue from there, and that gets even more buzz. And then that moves them out to L.A., where they were gonna do a pilot for comedy, no, for the WB Network, <laughs> R.I.P. WB, <laughs> called Mindy and Brenda. Oh. But they wouldn't even let them play themselves. So they cast people to play Mindy Kaling and Brenda oh. Withers. <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah. Uh, Mindy pretty much said that it was like not. <laughs> it was like so by the time they filmed the pilot, it was like so far away from what they even wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't get picked up. But then. In 2004, Mindy gets hired on The Office as a diversity hire for The Office. Oh, I didn't realize that. Which the diversity program at NBC was interesting. I'm not sure if it's still the same nowadays. I kind of hope that it isn't um, and that they have just different (laughs) ways to make their rooms more diverse. But pretty much they would, like, pay the salary of a diverse writer for the first season that they're working right. there. Right. But then that would cause the problem of shows firing that writer after mm-hmm. their one season so they could get a new one the next season mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much like getting a free writer. And so, of course, shows would, <laughs> would take them up on that. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. Donald Glover was one on 30 Rock. Um, Mindy Kaling was for The Office. But Greg Daniels was such a great mentor that, like, he kept her on, obviously, and she was there through the eighth season, end of the eighth season. 
And then the writers, well, a lot of the writers were, you know, also on the show. Like, what's the guy that plays Toby? What's his name? Yes. I don't know his name, but I know he's like the main writer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I should know his name. And also, she like bumped up, she like went, she ended up being an executive producer and a director. Yeah, and she yeah, and she directed episodes and wrote some of the best <laughs> episodes. Oh, and was an EP and was iconic Kelly Kapoor, which yeah. is, they wrote pretty much as like an exaggerated version of of Mindy. But yeah. she was when she was hired, yeah, she was the only woman, the only person of color. Yeah. And she did a stand at SNL for like a summer. <laughs> yeah, she like guest wrote. Yeah. Sounded like hated it, <laughs> and then which I also appreciate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. not like to rag on SNL because we don't do that on this podcast, but just in that <laughs> like, I think so many people who want to get into television or comedy writing are like, well, SNL is the be all end all, and it isn't. It's such a specific thing that it is crazy to be like, this is everyone's ultimate goal, and I think it's cool right. that she was like, obviously this is awesome, but like. This isn't like my final fantasy. Right. And what's so cool too about her is like she said that, you know, she would transcribe SNL sketches, you know, and like watch the credits of SNL and other comedy shows to see who the writers are. Because there was no, you know, she was like, there was no internet. So mm. it was just kind of like looking for familiar names, try to figure out how they get right. to be writers on those shows. But then 2012 was a really big year for her. So she's finishing out her contract on The Office for the eighth season. She released her first book of memoir. It's so funny. So funny. Is everyone hanging out without me? And then she also, as she's leaving, NBC picks up an untitled project for her, which would become The Mindy Project. They pass on it, but it goes to Fox, who picks it up for three seasons. And then... Fox cancels it after three seasons, but then Hulu revives it um, and gives it three more seasons. And they're good seasons. And they're great. I love that show. Love that show. And then, like, during this time, you know, she's in movies, uh, Inside Out, you know, Wrinkle in Time, Ocean's 8, all that. In 2016, she has her second book, which I actually haven't read, but I... It is also really good, and I have it. Ooh, maybe I'll borrow it. Yeah, you should. I will lend it to you. If I ever see you again. <laughs> For meet again, which is Why Not Me is her second book. And then 2017 is also a pretty big year for her in terms of just like lots of things happening at once. Because Champions gets a serious commitment from NBC before the se- last season of Mini Project even airs. Whoa. So, which is like pretty awesome, I think. Um, yeah. And then next year, Champions premieres mindy's ep she's a writer she's an actor doesn't get a season two unfortunately yeah it was a good show i haven't seen that one yet but i'm very excited to watch it it's a quick binge my sister and i watched it um when we went to memphis last year it was just like what we had watched before we went to bed um and like as usual she she's like barely in it she's in like the first and last episode but it is uh a lot of familiar faces from Mindy Project. It's Anders home. Um, she like had a kid with him in college, and oh, it's wow. this like Indian gay kid who's in a lot of other stuff. 
but he like carries the show. He's so funny. He's so cool. Yeah, it it's you will really like it. Ooh, can't wait. Mm-hmm. I love a I love an NBC sitcom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in uh 2019, late night premieres at Sundance, gets bought by Amazon. Um, and that same year, she also signs an overall deal with Warner Bros. TV for the next six years. And then she's 2019, also big Mindy year. She's a EP creator and writer on Four Weddings and a Funeral Revival at Hulu. And then 2020, EP creator, writer, Never Have I Ever. And just recently, writer for Legally Blonde 3, maybe? Yeah. It, yeah, she and Reese Witherspoon, she was such a similar character. I've always appreciated that Mindy's, every character she has played has been, like, narcissist first, Indian second. I think, that, and and in an interview with the girl who plays Davy, she said that Davy is, like, a South Asian anti-hero, basically. She really was, is. Yeah. That's, that's a really good well, way of putting it, yeah. Like, we just, we've almost never seen that, and... Yeah, I've always thought she's basically been, like, a Reese Witherspoon character who's Indian. Wow, I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Legally Blonde 3 is going to be amazing, because I love Legally Blonde, and I love Mindy Kaling, so it's perfect. But that's Mindy's career, kind of generally. She's (laughs) She has accomplished, I feel like, so much in 18 years that, like, people their like whole lifetime in the entertainment business wish they could do and also her impact like i would be blown yeah. away if someone even wrote that many good things in that amount of time yeah. but she is like 50 percent of what asian american content is out there yeah and it's all like a plus premium content yeah and like she just seems like such a i've obviously never worked with her but it seems like she's all about like raising up other women, other people of color. I don't know, her show, Four Weddings and a Funeral, like, gave Natalie Emanuel more lines than fucking Game of Thrones did in their whole run. <laughs> she, It just seems like she is all about, like, I don't know, she, like, mentored Tracy Wigfield. And, like, it's just about, like, promoting and helping other people. Again, like, she truly was such a pioneer. Yeah. And it would be so easy to be like, well, I struggled, so people after me should struggle, or whatever. Which is the general mentality of all of Hollywood. Yeah, but it seems like, again, just from an outsider's perspective, she has put a lot of effort into, like, bringing other people up with her. And she, I read an interview with her where she said that, like, she didn't really, she had this feeling of, like, why why do I have to be the role model for all of you know asian american people for indian people for for women of color all of this she's like i didn't really like she was like i didn't sign up for that i just want to be a writer but then she said that when fans of hers would come up to her and say like you know when i watch your things with my parents and then i know i can do that too Mm -hmm. she said that like that meant so much to her and why she cares now so much about that yeah yeah because i feel like that's i think that's fair too because it's like you know mindy project would get a lot of 
criticism for oh mindy always dates white men on the show or like the show isn't very diverse or whatever but she's like i (laughs) she's like so were all other shows like why is my one show getting all of the criticism and scrutiny just because i am the showrunner and star of it yeah that is such a good point of like you're getting mad at the one show that has one person of color but not <laughs> more people of color. It has a thousand percent more than every other show. Yeah. I, yeah, I also, like, in tracking kind of the kinds of things that she's been writing, I don't know if this is me projecting, but it felt like Never Have I Ever was kind of the first time. It, like, seemed like she went from, like, her earlier stuff, like, her character on The Office almost never even acknowledged that she was a woman of color. And then you get to, like, Mindy Project era, and she is, like, I'm a woman of color, but she doesn't really seem to identify as Indian or Asian. And now, and never have I ever, it's finally, like, these are specific details from my actual heritage that I feel comfortable sharing. Because they're not things that I think other people will find irrelevant. Which I at least seems to mirror exactly how I was growing up. Yeah, I feel like that mirrors, like almost exactly my experience too and she was she said in an interview that you know that um one episode of never have i ever where she meets the uh kid that also goes to that's going to princeton which is where davy wants to go and she's like when i go to college you know i'm gonna (laughs) eat cheeseburgers and have a white boyfriend yeah (laughs) and then the kid from princeton was like well you know i went i thought that too but my roommate is um Native American and like has is like super connected to their their culture which makes me want to be more connected to my culture and she said that actually happened to her and that her roommate was Native American and from Montana which listeners you don't know I'm from Montana and uh, I was very excited for the shout out of Mindy's roommate being from there too Um, but yeah now I'm curious where her roommate's from but um (laughs) She said, like, it, her roommate was so connected, and they would go visit her in Montana on the reservation and and see her culture and how she interacted with her um, tribe and all of that. And she was like, it made me want to be more connected to my heritage. And I was like, okay, that's crazy, because that's exactly how I felt about meeting you what? in college. And I was like, wow, that is so wild that I that know. happens. That happens to, like, more than one person, you know? It happens, like, it can be... I didn't realize, like, that specific thing could be such a kind of universal experience. And I think that is such a typical thing for minorities of, like, I'm having this experience and it really feels like I am the only person that is going through this and I'm doing this completely alone and, like literally millions of people are having the same experience in isolation yeah 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 it's true wow thank you for saying i mean obviously i i was actually thinking about it today when i was talking to your grandma at graduation and now she was like it was so lucky that you guys found each other and i was like yeah truly like what were the odds that like there was gonna be you were the only other asian person out of what a hundred kids who were in <laughs> Like, yeah. we were all friends with kids in comedy troops, at least I was. 
There was one other Asian person. You happened to be the exact same thing as me, which is rare. And then yep. you also happened to be like funny and nice and someone that I actually <laughs> got along with. Like, I don't, can you imagine if we like hated each other? That's sick. <laughs> love that. They would have loved. I, yeah, they would have loved that. Our yeah. Asian beef. Oh my God, they love to pit women against each other. They would have eaten that up. <laughs> But, yeah, very grateful. Yes. And everyone else should be grateful, too, because otherwise there would be no podcast. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so should we, like, go through each of her her projects and kind of talk about our ratings and, and all that? Totally. Should we start with never? No, you go ahead. Do we have, it'll be like, okay, if it was good, we give it, like, out of five, what, dumplings? What's Asian? Songs? <laughs> hmm, what's... Paper fans? Paper fans? Let's see, what, what's, a, what's a, like, a, a good Japanese-specific thing? One of my favorite, I like prefecture, because it's a word that, is an English word, but literally, if you're not from like Canada or Japan, why would you ever use that word? Anyway, but maybe we don't want to do it out of prefectures. What's prefecture? Like states. They're states. Oh, wow. But That's actually, good. I wasn't saying it out loud. No, we're not going to do that. That's crazy. Let's see. Uh... Udon. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. Great. No, no, we can't. We can't okay. do that. We can also change it every time. Yeah, we'll come up with a new one every time until we like one of them. All right, we'll do prefectures. Twist my arm. <laughs> prefectures. Okay. Never have I ever. Out of prefectures. So we'll do prefectures for if it was good, and udon for if we think it was good representation. <laughs> okay. This is our first Love draft. It. Um, I think I would give it four out of five prefectures. I thought it was really, really fun. I think season two was going to be tighter. Um, I, the words were so Mindy that I kind of just wanted Mindy to pen 15 style play this (laughs) high school girl. Um, that isn't a Chris. I just like, yeah, I thought it was very, very good. Um, and I think that season two will be even better. And in terms of representation, I mean a thousand udon bowls. <laughs> I thought it really nailed representation. Yeah. See, I think I'll give it five out of five and also a thousand million. Because as like a as both a, a quiet nerd and then a very loud, like aggressive nerd with my friends, I really appreciated that side of the representation as well. Yeah. As like a nerd that is also very shy when it comes to a lot of like like sexuality things, but then mm-hmm. with friends being very like in like in class being like, Yeah, I don't fucking know the answer. Like, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> or like my friends um that Ben character reminds me of my friend's boyfriend <laughs> in senior year that my friends and I so in English class they would sit together 
And he would be like, oh, yes, teacher, I love you, and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to kiss your ass, and I want to be an English teacher, too. <laughs> and, like, my friends and I would, it's so awful, I can't believe we did this, but we would just, like, openly make fun of him in class. He was a little, a little shit. That we've known, we, like, grew up with him, so it's felt like, kind of okay because we've you know we knew him since like we were all like babies yeah, i think but... that's fine i think every single person did something mean in high school and that isn't even <laughs> mean, and that is funny and it sounds like i would have made fun of him too uh yeah he still drives me crazy whenever i see him post stuff on facebook but i had to remember like i'm not in high school anymore <laughs> i need to get over this beef i have with him <laughs> No, we'll never. I, no one will ever get over their high school beef. Like we don't outgrow it; we just move away from it. And every single <laughs> time you move home, like it just starts back up exactly where you left off. <laughs> I think my favorite quote from the show is from the pilot, where it's, uh, "We are glamorous women of color who deserve a sexy high school life." <laughs> yeah, I think that might have been my favorite line too. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Well, I, like, didn't... I don't think that the term woman of color really existed when we were in high school. I don't think so. I feel like it really came into uh, use, like, in the, like, later years of Emerson for us. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like people were really thrown around, like, people of color and, like, POC and women of color. and Yeah. yeah. I feel like that was when I was kind of like, oh, people are saying that a lot. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was cool to be like, oh, this is like a new generation. Because uh, I was talking to my sister and I was like, there were so many scenes where there was not a white person in sight. Like there were, yes. there was like all people of color. And, you know, that wasn't exactly my high school experience. And she was like, well, it was mine. Like I had a lot of friends of color. It's not my fault that you were only friends with white people. And I just think about like, She's only three years younger than me, but the high school she went to was, she had more friends of color, and she, I actually had a ton of Asian friends, but all of us, like, forgot that we were Asian on purpose (laughs) until after we graduated, and I'll never forgive my hometown for that, Um, and then also, like, there were very few kids who were, like, out when I was in high school, but then by the time my sister was a senior, it was, like, a fucking lesbian palooza, like, so many more people felt comfortable being... It just, it's quickly changing, and it's cool that we're, what, five years out of high school, and already now, mm-hmm. it seems like it's a much easier time for them in those yeah. areas. Yeah, that was a note I took down when I was re-watching some episodes. I was like, okay, some, yeah, like, barely any white people in this show. Is that what high school in California is like? Like, damn. <laughs> I feel like, yes, like, she grew up in Boston, but I wrote in my notes, like, she kind of nailed, and, like, that's what a lot of my sister's days looked like, was, like, her and her women of color best friends hanging out. That is so powerful. I love it. I can't even imagine that for me in high school. (laughs) Yeah, for me in high school. And I also feel like it wasn't until I graduated from Emerson that I made, like, a group of friends that was mostly women of color. That's great. Wow. It's almost like going to film school in Boston wasn't the path to diversity. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, I guess I never really went from white Montana to white Boston. Never really 
got much. <laughs> <laughs> but now we live in the two most diverse cities in the country. There you go. There's hope. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do love her friends, Eleanor and Fabiola. Yes. Um, a loud Asian and like a quiet <laughs> Latina, which are stereotypes, which isn't, it is like reductive to say that in and of itself was like whatever, but they were fully yeah. fledged. That's what I really loved about this show is I feel like there's so many high school shows that are like, and that's the the mean one, and this is the math nerd, and that's the you know whatever. But I felt like there were no no even like high school archetypes really in this. It was just like everybody's just a full person, mm-hmm. <laughs> like totally. like you are in high school, you know? Because I feel like the times of like oh these cliques and those are the athletes and blah 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 are like kind of over because you know. I don't know. I was like, I was a theater kid, and I was in, sci- I was a science Olympiad nerd. You know, I was like, like multiple groups of of um, nerd. So, High School Musical must have been such a boring watch for you. He must have been like, the solution is so easy. Just I love High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> I rewatched it recently, and man, it's still so great. I love it's it. Good. It's but really- it's like as much as I criticize, you know, the the clicks and all that, I do love to see it play out on screen. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's the only reason they exist in real life is because people want. I feel like every time I was both the school when I lived in Illinois and when I moved to California, it felt like people were actively trying to make clicks because we saw it on TV. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It seems fun. You're like part of a club. I know. It's like, oh, I know. It's like. Well, then I really know, like, I got to lean in, lean mm-hmm. into being a, the nerd and the, <laughs> whatever, the drama kid or whatever it is. <laughs> My sister did say that a lot of her theater friends said that it was kind of a, they were like, it's unrealistic that a theater kid would ever hang out with non-theater kids. I was like, okay. <laughs> so. um, I guess that's true. All <laughs> of my friends were also <laughs> to theater with me. And then the, the ones that I hang out with in Science Club were the ones from theater, too, that were also there. So. There you go. Wow. But she like, worked, she, like, reached across the aisle and dated a techie. So there you yeah, go. she wanted to stick to the norm. That's true. Are you, okay, are you, like, as the kids are saying, Team Paxton or Team Ben? Ooh. Man, I could really go either way. I could say both. I could say neither. I, a Paxton is like mostly mean to her is the thing. Yes, but he saved her twice. Yes. When she got, you know, attacked by the coyote and when she fell in the pool. And I think he likes her. I just think he's scared, you know. Yeah, I guess I would also be scared if. I were 29 and I had to kiss an 18 year old. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Asian don't raisin. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Ben thing was more like organic and. It's definitely, I, it is true. It's more believable, you know, 
mm-hmm. the relationship. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, I don't think she's gonna end up with either of them. I don't either. I don't, so the moment that I felt the most that I resonated with the strongest, humiliatingly, is when she in the pilot when she asks Paxton to have sex with her. That really seems like something I would do. And did do in high school. Like, just be like, I know you would never talk to me, but I would have sex. And I know that that's something that makes you talk to people you wouldn't otherwise talk to. So, please. And then them just being like, yeah. And then me conflating that with this person caring. Um, And I think that that, it was like, I forgot that I did that. And I never would have remembered if I didn't see it on screen. And I like that it's on there because again I'm like cool other people did this too especially if they're Asian that's awesome and so for that reason I'm like he was never I don't think he was ever really meant to be the like I think he is just supposed to be a guy for her to learn like I don't actually want this person's attention like I thought I did yeah I think that's see I think that's what she's gonna learn from the relationship I think she's gonna like she's gonna get her heart broken either way by by these boys or she'll break their hearts you know but i think you know she'll learn from it and that'll be good for her yeah <sighs> yeah i also feel like i resonated when she told her friend like you should date the uh foreign exchange russian <laughs> guy because it'll be good play writing material i feel yeah. like that's definitely something like Probably not that because I never would have gotten anywhere near a boy or close to dating them, but certainly not I would have been like, certainly not one that's eating an onion, no. But I, <laughs> I would have done something to be like, well, I could potentially write a play about this, so yeah. I will do it. <laughs> yeah. Material. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the mom. The actress's name is... Hmm. I guess I didn't write it. Yes, I did. Porna Jaganathan fucking crushed it. Like she's so good. Injected so much warmth, so much humor. She was so funny. Her timing was incredible. As we've mentioned before on the pod that only the exclusive listeners have ever heard, it is such a big deal to me to see an Asian mother show warmth. Yeah. Like we both have such loving mothers, and it I is. Know. Until Crazy Rich Asians came out, it was never shown on screen even once. <laughs> it's true. So it was very cool seeing this woman. Yeah, everyone that was rude to her. It was almost like a, a modern Carmela Soprano of like, I'm not quite my daughter's generation where I'm going to completely reject tradition. Like, I respect and accept a lot of the things that exist. But I'm also going to recognize when these things are personally hurtful to me. And it isn't simple, but I'm just going to react to them as they come. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think what I really liked about um, her mom, too, was that, like, it wasn't just your your stereotypical, like, tiger mom of, like, you have to do well in school because I want you to be, you know, a doctor or whatever. It was like, no, she's, like, you know, she's dealing with the loss of her husband. She's dealing with, I mean, as much as I love our anti-hero, she is <laughs> a difficult child uh, <laughs> to, to raise and to live with. Uh, 
so it's like she's dealing with you know like a, a rambunctious teenage girl she you know her her niece or i think it's her niece right the yeah because it's her cousin so yeah it's davy's cousin so her niece is living there and she's trying to help her you know with the arranged marriage and like she's dealing with a lot of shit too and i, I like that they showed that for her character and not just kind of then like She's doing that off in the background. I don't know. We're just going to focus yeah. on this teenage romance, whatever, you know. Yeah. And then and I, just see the stereotypical parts of her. Yeah. She was like a full... I almost always hate when people talk to their parents in movies and TV. It is, like, the quickest way to make me bored. Um, And that did not happen. And I... Yeah, I loved her. And I love a generation. It almost reminded me of Jane the Virgin, of the, like, kind of three generations of women of color all under one house. Yeah. True. I love that show. Um, I loved the cousin. and I loved <laughs> She's her also her hilarious. Dumb, hot Asian boyfriend who was in yeah. one episode of Broad City. And I remember being like, yeah. oh, who is this hot little Asian guy? And then he was never seen again <laughs> until now. Uh... Yeah, he was funny. I did. I was like, it's not. He's. This isn't gonna happen for that. These two. I was like, I just know whoever they've arranged her to marry to marry is gonna be like really good looking and perfect, and they'll she'll fall in love with him instead, <laughs> like almost yeah. immediately. And that's what happened. Yeah. And I love that. I like how I was also rewatching the episode of New Girl where Cece gets arranged married. Or, like, that guy proposes to her. I really appreciate how pro-arranged marriage this stuff Because, like, in every time that I've seen it in movies here on TV, I have, of course, understood, like, these American-raised children's concerns with it. But mm-hmm. it also, in many ways, makes a lot of sense. And I think it should be given, like, a fair shake. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think as someone who doesn't know anyone who has been arranged married, if I am, like, hearing this and being like, that is a good idea, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they've always kind of, like, every time it comes up, they do have to kind of deconstruct it of, like, I know this is your perception of it, but here's actually what goes on. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes. Um, I also want to talk about the the Ganesh Puja episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Matrey, who plays Davy, said that Ganesh is the god of removing obstacles, and Davy has a lot of obstacles, so that's perfect. Um, uh, the two things I liked about that one is I don't I didn't know that about Ganesh, but obviously that is common knowledge amongst uh, I don't know what the word is, but people of this religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always let, I think that what the next big step for minorities is to start treating common knowledge like it is common knowledge. And, yeah. I, you know, we have this wealth of knowledge that no one else feels embarrassed when they don't know anything about it, and they should. Um, and I also think that it's cool because that isn't a detail I would have thought of that, like, yeah, Ganesh is like a good mirroring for what's happening in the story, and they're not going to explain that to you if you don't already know it and I think that that like we talk about it a lot of it's really obvious when something was made that includes minorities if they intend for minorities to be in the audience Mm -hmm. and I think if something is going to be 
an enriched viewing experience if you have an intimate knowledge of this culture like good you should have a better time watching it you should be getting like these like easter eggs of your own yeah yeah because i think like i didn't know that and i did you know i don't know i don't know a lot about indian culture but i did still i like that episode quite a bit and I think, you know, it, it does mirror well everything that co- that's going on, even if you don't know the specifics of, of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think listening to Mindy talk about this episode, I really was like, yeah, I didn't know that you knew this much. Like, I just, I didn't really know how in touch with her culture she was. Mm-hmm. And she's just been, like, carrying around all of this, like, material for her whole life and now she is finally at a place and as a country we're finally at a place where we're like ready to start using that yeah that was very good so Um, which character oh wait go ahead i just wanted to say that the music in this was like unreasonably good all of the songs were like good ass songs but in the in the show or in the episode in the whole show, it was just, like, all, like, really good, yeah. like, synth pop. I know. I loved it. I, I think that kind of added to what I was like, okay, this is, like, accurately getting uh, teenage <laughs> viewing yeah. across. Like, it's not just, like, songs they think teenagers like. It's like, oh, no, these are actually good songs. <laughs> and yeah. they are what teens listen to, too. So. Totally. Completely. Um, yeah. Were you going to ask me which character I... You I know didn't. It was. I I honestly think I was Davy. I was like so horny and narcissistic <laughs> and like was fairly involved with my culture, but not if I thought my friends were gonna think it was lame. So I really yeah, I was an Asian anti hero in high school as well. I was a really difficult friend for my parents. I love that. I feel like I am probably a combo of I'm I feel like I'm a combo of of Fab and Eleanor of like just not only just because, you know, they're theater and science kids, but it's like truly I was like some days I was a very loud theater kid that was like so emotional and like I can't believe my friends and then other days I'm like I'm just going to go work on my homework. <laughs> for hours and I don't want to you know I just gotta go do all my homework so please <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> yeah oh and I also love um I loved Eleanor's mom yeah I that was just, a great storyline I love that storyline I love any time there's like an Asian deadbeat mom same with um Sandra O oh when she was uh Maya Erskine's mom in betas and she was like this like hippie mom who like abandoned her kid. Okay, now I have to watch Betas if Maya Erskine and Sandra O oh are in scenes together. I must watch it. It's there's only one episode that Sandra O oh is in, and I think I've showed you clips from it, but it's it's a really bad show. But Maya Erskine is in it. She crushes it. That's all. There's a scene in the pilot where they go like, "Aren't you Chinese?" And then she just goes, "I'm Japanese, bitch." <laughs> so. Amazing. Amazon Um, But yeah, this seems like a good place to pause and we can go through the rest of her illustrious work in the next one. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, follow us on Twitter, right? Yes. We have a Twitter. We do. Maybe I'll wipe that clean, too, and we'll just start over there. That works. That makes sense. It, Twitter always logs me into that one first, and I'm always like, wow, so it. many new notifications. And, then and it's, it's always just like, just discover. Touch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, I guess. Bye. Bye.